0: Welcome to the Saturday simulcast brought to you by the Union Club Hotel. And and, uh, the band is back together again to some extent. Mike Carman joins Tom Deanhart and myself. Uh, I'm Alan Karpik, and we're glad to have you with us. Uh, A lot to talk about this week. We'll do this segment with uh, Mike and Tom, and Brian will fill us in on that nail biting men's basketball trip, but uh, to Austria, that was, I know he's trying to put put the wraps on that and, and at least make some sense of it. So we'll hit that as well. But so this segment, we'll talk some football. Mike Carman has covered football since, uh, since Chicago was in the big 10. Nah, <laughs> maybe not quite. Um, you're younger, no, no, than no, no. you're younger than I am. I need to, no, I need no, no. to stop with any of that kind of stuff. That's silly. <laughs> um, and, uh, We'll talk about what we might see and the wonderful world of Purdue football. And then also Mike Carmen wrote a good story today on our site on Gene Katie and his opportunity for uh, that was yesterday, actually, because this is airing Saturday. So we have to keep our dates straight. But to uh, talk about Gene Cady and his uh, his uh, trip to uh, immortality to some extent in basketball, of course, he'll be inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, later today, that would be Saturday in, uh, in, uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. So Tom, I'm going to start with you. Uh, you know, it's been kind of You've made a, you are amazing when I watch your read your stories that you can figure out who the players are in the limited amount of time and who's lining up with whom. You're not getting a lot of access, which we understand, or at least at least that's the way the world is these days. But just some overall impressions of the last week. Obviously, Ryan Walters made an announcement about a big injury, which is certainly mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a key injury. I said, say. maybe a couple of them actually. But uh, what else are you are you uh, Putting together here this week as we get we inch one week closer to the start of this football season.
1: Yeah, Mike remembers this time last year we were watching <laughs> all the practice and they lost yeah two, in like two days. And like Garrett Miller and Demarjay Lewis I think went went down on consecutive days. The news isn't as bad this year. You know, the Florida Atlantic transfer receiver Jamal Adrine uh, is out for the year with an ACL injury he suffered in camp. Pretty big loss. You know, he's a guy uh, who I think they were going to count on, obviously, a big receiver. And then they had their their, their current number one center, Josh Kaltenberger, got rolled up on, uh, injured a knee, uh, not as serious as, as the wide receivers, uh, but probably uh, could miss a couple games. So Purdue's already down to its third-string center because, of course, Gus Hartwig is still coming back with his knee injury. So, you know, you, you could talk about injuries from now until the sun comes up for football teams, uh, but you always got to at least focus on the key ones. And that's that's sort of the the key goings on from an injury standpoint. Garrett Miller is still coming along, of course, the tight end. They're sort of – they're not really pushing him, but he should be ready to go, of course, as well. And Demarge Lewis, too. They're sort of taking baby steps with him. But those, both those guys have had 12 months now to get better, and they should be ready to go come, come the season. So, yeah, you know, just a lot of energy, a young staff, quick-paced practices from a little bit we do get to see. And, um, yeah, the great unknown, guys. Like you said, Alan, we only see five to seven periods of practice a day, and it's only the stretching and the individual drills. It's not like we're watching them go through 11-on-11s or anything. So I can't give you any great in, insight as, as to how everybody's looking. We're all going to have to really wait till see uh, September 2nd at ross Aid Stadium here. So uh, it's, 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 an, it's, it's a very interesting time and exciting time a new era. And um man, we'll see if all these new faces can be blended together by this new staff.
0: Yeah. Mike, you know, you've been covering it for a long time and watching it. Uh It almost says by definition that this is the most uncertainty you've had, because just because you've got basically half a new team or whatever that Tom's got on the numbers. But Any is there anything comparable to any of this? I mean, even what's going on in the world of uh, college football, the realignment, all this is it all kind of ties into this world of uncertainty. But yet one thing that is we think is pretty certain is that, uh, well, we're pretty certain that the Ross State Stadium will be ready and Purdue will be playing Fresno State on at noon on September 2nd. But uh, have you ever ever in your professional career uh, seen anything quite like this in terms of just uh, the balls being up in the air, really not knowing what the heck we're going to see?
2: And by September 2nd, Fresno State might be in the Big Ten.
0: Yeah. Uh, so,
2: yeah. That's uh, is that a scoop? Yeah. You no, know, that's, that's not a scoop. Uh, okay. The bad guy. I, I would compare this a little bit. It's not at the same scale, but, uh, and Tom remembers this, when Bob Diaco took over as defensive coordinator at Purdue, there was so much unknown about what they were going to do defensively because they kept everything under wraps. Uh, they didn't allow us to watch much of anything. They they barely did anything in front of us. So we didn't really have an idea, you know, what that defense was going to look look like. And then come to find out there there wasn't much mystery to it because it wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, um, but was that eight
0: 2019, what year was yeah, it? Yeah.
2: But then 20, you know, 2020, the COVID year. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then all the dysfunction that happened behind the scenes with the hiring of Diaco and his yeah. his presence and he brought a lot of baggage with him to Purdue you know the other thing that kind of strikes me about this whole thing you talked about you know we know about Josh Kaltenberger because he played last year and he filled in for Gus the last part of the season and did did a fine job yeah but, but a lot of these other guys we, we just don't know about yeah and we don't in from my perspective you know other than maybe Hudson Card and a couple of other guys, we don't know who's important and who's not from the newcomer standpoint. Like, they could suffer some injuries, but we don't know how big of a deal that is because we really don't know where these guys fit uh, into this year's team. Now, after the first game, you get a better idea who's who and who's going to play what. Mm-hmm. But no, I think the receiver was someone they were counting on to, to step in and fill some voids there because they just don't have a lot of, a lot of proven guys at the receiver position, but otherwise, you know, just so many new names and so many new faces to digest that you just, you don't know you're, you're in a complete wait and see mode until, uh, Fresno state to see how these guys perform.
0: Yeah, I, I, it is, uh, it is truly a game. And, and then you have a 37-year-old coach with a new staff, just and, and that, just speaking to experience, Tom. It doesn't mean that they can't do it, but that just brings that added challenge of herding these cats, so to speak. I keep using that term, but it's probably not quite fair, but just trying to line everybody up, get everybody on the same page, and yet you're a whole new group yourself i mean that uh, uh that to me presents a large large challenge at least from a, an administrative and, and uh coaching standpoint is that a fair assessment
1: yeah just a lot of new and moving parts alan you're right between the staff and the players 19 transfers yeah leaves the number i counted up again today the offensive line and the secondary import of the most players from the portal to give you an idea of the areas of, of, of emphasis with his staff, when it came to portal additions, um, did get one good look at what at least on I think it was Tuesday. The number one offensive line, um, the the left tackle, I think I feel safe to say it's going to be Moose. On the right tackle is going to be Bo. and the two guards were both portal guys. Um, the left guard was was Preston Nichols from UNLV, and the right guard was Jalen Grant from Bowling Green. I do think they like both those guys. The guy snapping was the kid from Colorado, Austin Johnson. So uh, that was just your one quick snapshot for that day. But I think those, I think those four guys are, are going to be pretty pretty solid. I, I I would think once once we get to September, like Mike said, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but you know, there's still a lot to like about this offense. I think I know again, again the lines got to come together. I understand that, but I think Hudson Card's going to have some skill to work with a tight end. I like that tight end room a lot. Miller, Perferri, Bibber. Uh, they love Max Claire, the young uh, the young redshirt freshman. I think there's enough receivers to make this thing go. There's not a Charlie Jones, at least it doesn't appear to be. And then the running back room, guys. See if Mike agrees with this. Probably the best group of running backs they've had since 2017 when they had Markel Jones, Richie Worship, and DJ Knox, and Tario Fuller. This group's got three, I think, pretty solid backs with Mockaby, Dylan Downing, and, then of course, Tyrone Tracy now. so. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think I think they, they they've got some weapons that the, again the key is going to be up yeah, front. Can that line develop? Yeah. Do you agree with
0: that assessment, Mr. Carmen?
1: Well, uh, we've seen those guys,
2: uh, yeah. so I have, I, I have an idea. I have an idea what they can do. And I thought last year, and we don't know the exact reasons. I thought Tyro Tracy was underused yeah. Uh, yeah. last season. I mean, he came out of the gate strong, made some plays early, right. uh, but then but then seemed to 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 fall out of favor. Uh, throughout the season and you know when we watched him in spring after he had transferred from Iowa I mean he was a guy that could do a lot of different things for the offense Uh, he could line him up at running back line him up at receiver He, he was I thought one of the top playmakers going into that the last season but maybe he didn't have a good handle on the offense you know would he make mad on the coaching staff? I mean, there's just a lot of different things you don't.
0: Anything's possible.
2: You know? Well, yeah, with that group, every, anything was possible. And so, you know, I hope he gets an opportunity to showcase his skills because uh, he, he's one of the proven guys on this team that, that people know about. And over time, other guys will prove themselves, but he's, you know, to me, he's a guy that you have to, you know, he should be a big part of your game plan week one. And that should be somebody Fresno State really focuses on, too, because of his versatility to line up at different positions and and do things in the running game and in the passing game.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be an important thing that Purdue's going to have to. As Much as Ryan Walters wants to have a defense that's going to be uh, difficult to deal with, you're going to still – Gonna have to score some points and be uh, and be interesting, and uh, that's what's going to be a, a fun thing to to watch. All right, September. This may be one of the all time Septembers, and and for a number of reasons. One is we've talked at length about the need for Ryan Walters and staff to show they can do this, or to show give give the fan base enough confidence. It, it, there's a lot of hype. I mean, Tom's written about forty thousand season t- or forty thousand tickets sold. Uh, this is a, you know, I, I think that exceeds my expectations. You've got a new, uh, you know, you got the Tiller Tunnel coming in. You've got the north or south end zone. There's going to be some hype on this front end. Uh, what, uh, Tom, what does a good September look like for Purdue? I mean, I know wins and losses, uh, you, you could win them all in theory. Uh, you know, you haven't have been beating Wisconsin, the team you haven't beaten, beaten in West Lafayette in 26 years. But talk about uh, what that looks like out of the box for
1: Purdue. Yeah, it's a big month. You know, uh, four out of the five games in that month are at home. Um, talked about the opening against Fresno, and they go to Virginia Tech, and then you got Syracuse at night, you got Wisconsin on a Friday night, then you've got homecoming against Illinois. So that's that's the day they're going to dedicate Tiller Tunnel. So you got to make hay in September. There's, there's There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it right you want to make a bowl i think i think you got to turn the corner from september to october at three and two at the very least you look at the back half of that schedule guys and you got to squeeze out three more wins you got northwestern and indiana which helps where's that third win going to come from and you know those games against illinois nebraska minnesota sort of your peer programs those are probably going to be the games that decide produce fate um you know, Vegas had, I think, Purdue as a win total at five and a half. Sounds about right if you ask me. To me, six and six, hey, man, six and six would be a very good record given what we've talked about as far as the personnel, the staff, and the schedule, especially, um, would be a heck of a season just to get to a bowl game. Seven and five, maybe that's their ceiling. Um, but again, five and seven, I mean, would, would be very realistic too. So, um, but again, September, guys. It's going to be probably your make-or-break month right out of the gate. Maybe that sounds funny to say, but uh, they got to make – and, again, that opener right against Fresno, very good head coach, Jeff Tedford, man, one of the best in the business. You don't want to go to Virginia Tech 0-1-1. You certainly would like to make a splash in a renovated stadium during a new era of Purdue football with a brand-new head coach. So there really is a lot riding on the line come high noon September 2nd.
0: Yeah. Well, we know, Mike, some of those – Back in the day when they used to play those noon kicks in September, I remember Drew Brees' the senior year was about 100, 100 degrees when Central Michigan came calling. Uh, it's going to be interesting because you have, you have those night games, but you have your first two games at noon. Conditioning will be an important part of this as, as well. But, uh, Mike, how do you view that? I mean, is there anything new or different on, on the importance of that first month and, and making that impact uh, when you're going to be playing four or five games at home?
2: Well ever since I've been covering this program, it seems like the first <laughs> game seems to be especially of a, of a new era. It seems like the, okay, they've got to win that first game to kind yeah. of catapult themselves into uh, you know the, the month of September or whatever. and this is this is no different. I mean you're, you're you know Purdue is coming off you know winning the Big Ten West, so they have some program momentum there. You have a new coach who's very energetic. And, you know, for all the things that Tom said, and there's a lot of momentum around the program with the stadium and everything like that, that you want to, you want to capitalize on that. um, And just get off to a good start. And yes, it's about winning games, but also about playing well too. Uh, You want to, you want to establish your identity in that first month. You know, if it's going to be a defensive identity that Ryan Walters wants to have, then you've got, you've got to do it. Or are they just going to chuck it around and, (laughs) <laughs> and, Man, and lean, on the, lean, lean on the passing game as much as they can. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to I, – I don't know what record they need to come out of uh, September. I mean, they need to be, you know, three and two at the, at the worst to really achieve the goals they want to achieve, and that's getting to a bowl game and staying in contention uh, for the Big Ten West. But, you know, they've got to play well. They've got to see how this all meshes together. Um, and, I, you know, that's the curiosity of everyone, just how does this yeah, all come together? And, again, we've been through this drill before with new coaches in their first game, and, you know, we ask the same questions as far as how it's all going to work and, you know, who's going to do what, what's the style, what's the philosophy, and all this kind of stuff. So uh, it's another another first game that, that carries a lot of weight uh, for a lot of reasons. And uh, I think people are just kind of anxious and eager to – to see what, see what transpires.
0: Yeah, Danny Hope, the only one of what Purdue's last four coaches to win his first game, if I'm right, because Joe Tiller lost his first. Danny Hope beat Toledo. Daryl Hazel had a highly memorable performance at cincinnati and of course that uh, jeff brown which was a memorable performance against louisville and at lucas oil in a very competitive game against lamar jackson but uh, we'll see how this one plays out we're going to switch the subject to basketball I'll come back to you mike He wrote a story uh on friday at, on goldenblack.com got a t- chance to talk to todd mitchell and troy lewis And Jerry Colangelo, all three will be, I believe Colangelo will be there in attendance on tonight, Saturday night, for uh, the induction ceremonies. And Gene Cady, just your sense of maybe start with Colangelo, your chance to talk to him and what that, uh, what a guy like Gene Cady has meant to basketball. We know what Troy and Todd. Had, that those guys have uh, had a great deal of deference to him as as a father figure, but this is a big deal. He's only the third person in the history of Purdue basketball to get to the to get to the the, the Naismith Hall of Fame, and when you're on the list with John Wooden and Charles Stretch Murphy, you're on a pretty good a pretty good pedestal there. So, uh, put that in perspective for us.
2: Well, the words that or the word that kept coming up in all these conversations was, you know, it's it's overdue. Should have happened earlier. Uh, and you know, I think the reasons are pretty clear why it didn't happen earlier. Because he never, he never got to the Final Four. He never won a national championship. Uh, there were probably always coaches ahead of him that had done that, and that yeah. that seems to be the. Even though they don't have a criteria, that seems to be the criteria. And these committees change, uh, you know, every couple years or three years, so everybody has a different priority that they look at as far as what is hall of fame worthy and you know as as we all know and every Purdue fans know that's the glaring omission from Gene Cady's resume is no final four no national championship everything else you know was hall of fame worthy you know even you know the thing that struck me about Gene's career was he had tremendous success in the big 10 you know big 10 championships big 10 coach of the year you know great players and stuff like that. But that Mm-hmm. That also transcended into the national part too, and so he he became a household name and and all that stuff. And but yeah, I, a lot of people just think it's overdue. You know, him and Jerry Colangelo, you know, really didn't get to know each other, you know, except probably the last ten to fifteen years. And uh, he's going to be a presenter along with Tom Izzo uh, mm-hmm. for this thing on uh, on Saturday. Um, so you know they have a they have a good relationship. Jerry was. Probably a little surprised that he was asked to be a presenter by Gene, not because of anything bad. It's just that yeah, uh, yeah. he was he was a little bit surprised. And as you know, Alan, you got to be in the Hall of Fame to be a presenter, so you have to pick yeah. somebody that's already there. Oh. Uh, but very, uh, very, very uh, gracious about Gene and what he accomplished at Purdue, and all that stuff. And of course, Troy and, and Todd were, you know, they lived it. Uh, they understood. Uh, you know what what he's meant to Purdue basketball in the big time, and it's it's great. You know the one thing Jerry really hit on was that Gene. You know, a lot of times you get up there in age, and Gene's in what eighty seven, yeah. and you don't have an opportunity to enjoy it, understand what it is. But Gene, you know, Jerry was very happy that Gene got in the Hall of Fame. He's going to be there. He's going to know what he's going to he's going to be able to to uh, enjoy it. Uh, and that was very important for Jerry. And whether that pushed him over the edge, I, you know, I don't know. But he's in the Hall of Fame. He'll get honored. It'll be a great day for, for him and Purdue basketball on Saturday in Springfield, Mass. And, you know, to have only three three individuals from Purdue basketball in the Hall of Fame over its long and storied history is, you know, you know that's, that's quite a uh, – a special place for, for Gene to be with uh, John Wood and Stretch Murphy. And, no, I didn't see Stretch Murphy play in high school, <laughs> even, though he, even though he led Marion to the 1926 state championship, I believe, <laughs> I believe, back in the day. But, uh, no, it'll be a great day for Gene, and he'll have a lot of uh, people there, a lot of well-wishers, and uh, I just hope he soaks it all up and, and thoroughly enjoys it. Yeah,
0: and I think he, I think he will just because uh, that is a – Uh, such a, such a thing. I mean, he's, he's never really been all that focused on, on awards, but uh, the opportunity to have that happen, um, you know, is, is, is hard to minimize. I mean, he's, he was that way. Tom, you had a chance to after football last week to be part of the, to watch a lot of the uh, of the festivities of the uh, annual um, or the, the alumni ideal, and by the way, I've misspoken all along. It is the fourth Piggy Lambert, obviously, also in the Hall oh. uh, in, the, in the hall of Fame, not the third. I keep forgetting that. Uh, uh I keep forgetting, omitting Piggy. I'm sorry, my apologies to the Lambert family, but uh, he is actually the fourth and the second coach. But, uh, Tom, Tom, uh, you know, your thought on, on that whole situation and, and just seeing that group together last it really speaks well for what Matt Painter's been able to put together from an alumni perspective, but also. Um, uh, you know just the, that
1: atmosphere around pretty basketball first i mean I, you, you have to be in the hall of fame to present somebody yeah it just seems That's like cool. a totally absurd stipulation <laughs> But anyway, um, and it's a and hall of fame rick mountain glenn robinson aren't in the aren't in that i guess it's the i guess it's the basketball hall of fame isn't it? it's not the college basketball hall of fame. yeah
0: that is but i
1: digress um yeah just so cool i mean the the number of players who were back uh, from the from the various eras um just spoke a lot about that Purdue basketball family we hear so much about and um yeah you know the love they have for for the institution and the program and then the coaches uh the two coaches they've had since 1980 um yeah. for 43 years Bruce had two two head coaches and it's it's mind-boggling to think about and uh, the, the the lives that these guys have touched Katie and Painter in particular and yeah, you know, Katie was was the coach uh, when I was in high school. He was became a coach when I was a sophomore in high school. And I remember going over there that first year, was coming off the Final Four and, and watching NIT games. That's the other program. Duke yeah. came here. Duke came here with a coach named Mike Krzyzewski. He was in his first That's season. That's right. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? Who would have thought? And he, he ended he, his first season. He, he won't right. amount to anything, will he, Tom? No. no. He's <laughs> <firing>. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, two guys, not, not to get off on a whole other tangent, but I saw some stories written this week. I, I'd love real quick your thoughts, if, if you have a couple of seconds, on your two or three best Katie teams. Um, was that 87-88 team better than the 93-94 team? I think it probably was. Um, you know, I love that 86-87 team, too, that that washed out against Florida and Dwayne Shintzis. That team may have been better than the team the next year because of that Doug yeah. Lee. But anyway, it'd be—it's uh, always a fun debate. Kate has some good teams, and uh, yeah, again, those those teams are close to my heart because I was in school, actually in college in '87, '88. Though for those teams, '86, '87, got to work with a guy named Alan Karpik. Oh, no, that's dangerous! <laughs> You're like <right>, the team bust. <laughs> <dangerous. does. laughs> <laughs> to go to some exhibition games at Belmont with Kip Jones and yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting off on a tangent. We but had yeah. good dinners, so, though, right? Yeah,
0: that's good. <laughs> I
1: got a lot of good memories of that era. And your guys' thoughts on maybe and perspective, maybe the couple best teams Katie Katie ever had.
0: Well, Mike, I'll let you go at first. What and I'll, I'll, I'll we may be agree agree on them, but uh, <laughs> what are your what are your thoughts of his best teams?
2: Well, I, you know, I think tonight. I mean, just. This- The fact that you had Glenn Robinson on the '94 team, I think, you know, (laughs) elevates that that team to a pretty pretty high ranking. Uh, And as and as we all know, you you know, if if one of those teams had gotten to the Final Four, that would be labeled Katie's best team. But you you don't. But even the 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 year uh, was it two thousand. 2000. Got, yeah. Got, be, got beat by Wisconsin in the elite eight. I mean, if that, if they make the final four there, if you Cornell does not what, suffer a high ankle sprain, I think I've, my memory serves me right. right. then would, would that be labeled Katie's best team because it went to the final four when in, in reality, it probably wasn't Katie's best, best team, but I, you know, the 94 team, I think kind of stands a little bit ahead, just because of, of, of big dog and, some of those other – Tonzo and some of those other guys on the team. Not to, not to uh, discount Matt Painter in any way, but, uh, uh, but the, you know, the, the mid-'80s teams were great. I mean, that was a great re- – a recruiting job by Gene at that point to get those three guys together and build around them and, um, and, and make it happen the way they did. And I know they, they suffered a tough loss uh, up in Detroit uh, in the NCAA tournament um but you know i i i just kinda, i like the 94 team for for all the pieces that they had but um it is just too bad not one of those teams was, was able to to break through and get um get to the final four
0: yeah i agree with mike though i was not around day by day in 94 it was in columbus ohio but 88 to- Boy, they were a fun team to watch, but as it turned out, it was maybe the NBA guys, the Mitch Ritzman bank shot, the, you know, maybe that was always the adage at the time. You had to have an NBA guy. And, of course, Danny Man, Danny and the Miracles won it all that year. And yet Purdue could not have had more of a paved trip to the Final Four when you look at it on paper at the Pontiac Silverdome. When you look at it, Vanderbilt, Kansas, who was, you know, barely got in the tournament. Kansas State, a team of Purdue had beaten by 29 points in the regular season. Uh, Lon Kruger's Bunch, uh, and yet the heartbreak of that night uh, will never be forgotten uh, by Mark Monteith and and, and others uh, in terms of uh, the book he wrote on that. But yeah, those were fun teams and great people. I certainly love the 88 team in terms of just the personalities. They, They kind of are the same guys these days when you talk to Troy Todd and Everett. Uh, they're still that way, but a lot of fun, and 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 you can't help but be happy for Gene Cady and really for Purdue basketball. I mean, you're right; it's a it's a long time coming, and it's maybe even extra special the fact that he does get into the Hall of Fame without getting to the Final Four. I mean, I think maybe John Chaney did as well, but th- this is a extremely impressive and a lot of respect for what uh, what he meant. Uh, to the world of basketball because the other thing that gets brought out and is his his devotion to USA basketball yes he coached the Pan Am teams but he gave his life his professional life a lot to uh, gave a lot to it when he was coach at Purdue and even even after the fact when he had a chance to work in the NBA and work with Steve Lavin at St. John's um yeah, he wanted to still work, no question. But uh this is a guy that uh really it's a life if there's ever was a lifetime achievement award, this is it. And I and I think that uh Gene Katie deserves it. So on yeah,
2: I would also say that this is also I, I view it as a as a Purdue basketball program award as no well. Question. Um yeah. and I, I don't know if you can say that with a lot of other people that get in the hall of fame. Uh but it just there's something about Purdue basketball when they win something it it seems like the 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 program uh played a big role in in pushing it uh to to where it to where where it needed to be. Now this you know, obviously Gene won notes games and all that, but i I view this also as a Purdue basketball honor as well because of Gene's longevity, what he meant for the program, and the fact that you know he he coached the next coach that is yeah. carrying carrying on the legacy yeah. as well
0: yeah hard hard to minimize that all right gentlemen thank you for your time and expertise uh always enjoyable. It's nice to hear us that we can flap our gums with the best of them. That's a good thing, and uh, we get a chance to do that. We wanna uh stay tuned because we're gonna have uh, Brian Newber, who'll be willing to talk about pretty basketball in Europe. he's gonna explain the uh the route of Friday and the route of Thursday, but the boilermakers uh, have one more game left uh that will be uh, I believe in Czechoslovakia on Monday, so we'll talk with Brian on that. so guys, have a good rest of the weekend. And uh, stay tuned. We'll have our next segment with Brian Newbert. Our second segment of Saturday Simulcast, a reminder to you, and now that Brian's sitting here, it's always a reminder that you can subscribe to goldenblack.com. And we wish that you would uh, by... Um, you know you can if you're a YouTube subscribe to our YouTube channel we do have a website that's important to uh, to visit on a daily basis and some say it even can become habit forming. so we would appreciate uh, that as well that you can always join the Boilermaker Alliance too if you so desire and and get that as part of your deal too. Brian, uh, Friday's game was not much of an affair, so to speak. I think I I, did, I joined it in progress. It was fifty-eight to six or whatever it was when I tuned in, and I know that there were some extenuating circumstances with the opponent. But uh, I guess give me your assessment, not just of Friday's game, but just what we've kind of seen and produced three victories, uh, in two in Germany and one in Austria uh, this week.
3: Yeah, I think you. Uh... I think they've done everything you'd want them to do, uh, considering they're out of Zach Eady. Um, yeah. I think they've looked cohesive. I think they've looked like a good team without the best player in college basketball. Uh, you'd probably like for some of these European teams to be a little bit better, um, but this is what you get uh, in situations like this. You schedule these things so far out in advance. It's a time of year where all these teams are still – rejoining one another so sometimes they're out of shape sometimes they're out of playing you know uh they're not in optical optimal, optimal
0: and optical <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're
3: not in optimal um, standing as a team
0: yeah
3: uh sometimes they don't have all their players as was the case today with this team Purdue played whose uh name I already forgot I, I don't want to I don't want to use team names because I don't want to get them wrong. And I don't want to sound like I'm making fun of our uh, beloved NATO partners uh, overseas. <laughs> but, um,
0: SKN St. Holton, but you know, all right, I'll take I'll call this Call them, the them the SKN.
3: Um, yeah, there
0: you go. That's better.
3: Today, you know, uh, apparently, and I'm no expert on these teams, but I'm told SKN has a number of American players who aren't there yet. Aren't with their team, uh, and they probably would have made a big difference. Would they have beaten Purdue? No. Would they have played Purdue within fifty? Maybe. (laughs) You know, uh, we just don't know. Um, But that's part of why what I've been hammering away at, to everyone's exhaustion, I'm sure, is that you know you have this really established team, and you're playing in a form other than the form you'll play this season and saying, okay, we need experience in case Zach Eadie gets hurt or he's out of the game. Well, that's not, that's a pretty big if. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is really uh, sure. There's, there's some positive take from some of this stuff, getting miles Coleman, some run, getting Camden, Heidi, some run, getting Lance Jones some some experience playing with these guys in a kind of competitive environment that's all positive yeah. but this is yeah. this is sort of warped reality uh in, in terms of things are going to be almost unrecognizably different when when things you know uh resume back at purdue um but being that this is a team down its biggest piece uh i don't know what more you could ask from these guys um in terms of the way they've played the 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 way they've coalesced together, the way certain guys have occupied different roles on the fly. Uh Trey Kaufman Wren has been their yeah, been kind of, kind of de facto go-to guy. Uh and he's he's put up numbers every game. He's been really good. Uh you can't ask for much more, I don't think, from Miles Colvin uh to this point. Uh Camden Heidi's been good before, you know, he went down today. Uh came down hard on the floor, banged up his back. He should be fine. But it's the last thing you want to see in a game where yeah. you're up 50 at half. Um but no, I I think uh, I'm not sure you could ask for a whole lot more than what you've gotten from Purdue. Um you just would have liked to have seen that game today end at halftime.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we weren't we were streaming and and we weren't paying by the hour, but uh, yeah, that one was a uh... It uh, could have been, uh, was over. Purdue got off to a 15-love start, as and uh, the rest was history. Now, Purdue plays on Monday in the Czech Republic against BKBRNO or Borno or Borneo. It's not Borneo. Uh, but uh, that one will be at 9.30 Eastern time. So we're going to have to get you up that morning on, on Monday to watch that for that test. I would assume it would be 3.30 Czech Republic time uh, for the Boilermakers' uh uh final game in uh in uh Europe it's funny not funny but they are going to spend I think a little time in Italy you know all those countries where they are located is is going to are going to be close together but uh, quite the experience even just to see uh, Mason Gillis uh you know they obviously went to Dachau which was uh which he uh, talked about uh, on on Friday but also the experience of just—it's uh, got to be something for those guys, to, for a lot of those guys to have a chance to to walk around some of these uh, uh, historic and uh, as they keep saying, oh man, go back to thirteen hundred. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, an amazing uh, experience for those guys, and can't hurt from a team uh, uh, camaraderie standpoint, one would think.
3: Yeah, and that's part of the college experience too. I mean, you know, getting outside your the little slice of the world you grew up in the only thing you've ever known, uh, in a lot of cases and kind of broaden your horizons. I think it's, it's a good educational opportunity for the guys who want to treat it as such. Uh, it's inevitable that not all of them do because they' you know, these guys nowadays are so basketball focused that they tend not to, you know, process things going on around them. But f- for those who want to treat it as an educational opportunity, it, it's right there for them, um and even the guys who don't you can't, can't miss. not see like the coliseum when you walk by it you know <laughs> and, um you still might realize 30 years later hey i was there you know yeah. um I, I saw all this you know uh, i saw what's left of all this stuff that happened in world war ii and things like that and it it's just it's uh it can be important life experience. And that's, you know, that's something that's kind of getting lost in all this in college sports nowadays too, is that, you know, we're all talking about transfers and NIL and, you know, at the end of the day, you still have to become productive adults. And, um, you know, I think this sort of stuff is, is pretty valuable uh, in that regard. Um, I just know I got to go to Australia when I was a kid and it, it really uh, expanded my mind to things beyond uh, my little Piece of North Jersey uh, <laughs> where I grew up.
0: Well, uh, um, yeah, and I, yeah, and I think as you know, and I haven't been, you know, I've not been on the continent. I've been to uh, Ireland, to Iceland, and and to London, but uh, you know, to have that experience, and it does, it can't help. But uh, again, whether it be daca or whether you see the great churches of Munich or what all, even even looking at the Olympic history 1972 Olympics in Munich and what that meant and all these kind of things, uh, you're right. These guys are smart people or people that are actually there hopefully for a college education. This is gonna be one of the things they won't forget to, one would think from that standpoint. All right, when you look at, um, you know, uh, Brian Waddell has been impressive. Uh, you talked about, we've written, you've written a little bit about him. And again, a little bit hard to take on what these games are, but what do you, and, and I thought Lance Jones also seems to fit, which we expected. He's, yeah, he's probably a guy that's going to be fighting for starting minutes, if not starting time, start for this season. But talk about those guys and anybody else that's jumped off at you, just to, from an eyeball test and from what you've seen so far. And then maybe even including back to last Saturday too.
3: Well, Brian Waddell has been really good all summer. Every time I've yeah. been out there, he's been really good. And, I think what he's done in Europe has really kind of validated that, um, and it, it's just the question for him: is where do his minutes come from? Yeah. You know, Purdue's got some Purdue's got some dudes at that position. You know, Miles Colvin is a stud in the making. Camden Heidi's a stud in the making, and um, it's just a matter of whether you want to invest early in the in, in the maybe the higher ceiling talent not that Brian Waddell is not a really good athlete. He is, um, from a physical perspective, he doesn't have the same sort of, you know, presence as those two other guys, but he's a really good basketball player. I think he's past the ACL thing now. Yeah. I think he's he looks much, like much more confident than he's ever been. Uh, that's how he looks anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I think you're starting to see glimpses again of that player that, you know, Purdue was infatuated with when he was coming out of his redshirt year before he hurt his knee. And, um, it's a really good problem to have. Um, yeah, he's been really good, but he's also just been really solid. And at, at worst, I think he's a guy who puts your younger guys on notice and, uh, you know, uh, is living, breathing Testament to the fact that if those guys slip up, they're not going to play. And, uh, it's hard to look at a, a, a miles Coleman and saying, okay, this guy might not play because, but he will play. Um, but what I'm saying is, Competition makes everybody better. And those guys are going to have to go against each other in practice. Um, They're going to compete with each other for minutes. Um, They might have to engineer some things a little bit to get them all on the floor enough to leverage the assets. Uh, You've seen Miles Colvin play some true guard minutes out in Europe, whereas he's typically going to be a small forward, a three type guy. Um, Whether that's simply a, a byproduct of them not having Ethan Morton. I don't know. But um, you know, if, if you can play him there, that's one more avenue that you can get minutes for a guy you need to get minutes for. I think Purdue has every reason uh to want to invest in him early and get him up to speed and in hopes of getting the very best out of him when it matters the most. You know, I always go back and say that had had Jaden Ivey not missed those games in the non conference season his freshman year, Purdue wouldn't have had him his sophomore year because he would have, his, his trajectory as a player would have gotten to a point in March where somebody would have drafted him in the first round. I I think somebody would have drafted him anyway. Uh, the way the NBA draft is going in terms of pre-drafting guys. Um, yeah, but the thing with that is that Ivy didn't get that experience early on to put him at a place late in the season where, you know, he really had a decision to make. Um, I think, I'm, I'm, that's not really a relevant comparison. I'm just saying is when you get on Miles Coleman as many minutes as possible in November, um, you're going to get the best version of Miles Coleman you're going to get during his freshman season in March. And that's the goal.
0: Yeah. And then that's What's to be your cool question? I just, no, I mean, you answered my, it. Okay. I don't even remember it, so I think you you completely. It really doesn't matter much what I ask you anyway. You you're good at just uh, just talking, but no no. I that was uh, you answered. All right, other uh, 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 a a a difficult situation, and, and it does pertain to Purdue basketball. We don't know what's obviously going to happen, but the the tragedy in Maui. Uh, you're set to go out there in November. Uh, you've been out there. Uh, I was there recently on a on a personal trip but uh, unbelievable that devastation. And, And we don't know, you know, who knows three, four, what would be three months from now, not all that long, uh, from when Purdue goes out there or supposed to go out there, but just unbelievable. I just wanted you're, you're a uh, stream of consciousness person in terms of what you see there. You've been to that, been to that island. It's, it's, it's hard to imagine the, the suffering that's going on there, but uh, uh, it's, it, and you probably knowing you, you like to get around a little bit to seeing the Banyan tree in Lahaina and you've been to places like that. It's just hard to imagine that that city is basically 80% gone.
3: Yeah, I've been there twice and uh basketball doesn't matter. Uh yeah, no doubt. You know, that that's one of the nicest places with some of the yeah. nicest, kindest people oh, you'll ever are, come across. Too. They are uh, out there. Absolutely. And uh, you know, it's just it's just an awful deal. Um awful, awful, awful deal. That little town in Lahaina, um, really cool little area, uh, lots of artists, lots of restaurants. Yeah. Lots of really neat trees, <laughs> Yeah. as you mentioned before. It. That's where I got on a boat to go whale watching on Thanksgiving years ago by myself, and uh, just a lovely, lovely place. And yeah. just seeing it, seeing it on the news being gone, and just thinking about the however many people it is now who've lost their lives to this is just crushing. Yeah. Um, at some point in time, somebody will have to make a decision about the Maui Invitational. I, it's too early to know um uh, it's hard to imagine it being played. It's also you know not outside the realm of possibility that you know the event and the community rallies around it it's I agree I agree and it's you know possible. dedicates all dedicates it to what's going on in Lahaina. I don't know I'm you know I'm only speculating you hate to speculate yeah I agree about this stuff I mean there's also options move it to Honolulu move it to California move it to Vegas give a chunk of the proceeds to rebuild to rebuild Lahaina, get a ESPN involved get them to help uh you know stuff like that um but it it, it is way too early to know uh, no doubt. but it, it's just it's a secondary topic because of of what's going on out there you know just one of the most peaceful you know places i've ever been and uh just a really really tragic deal going on there
0: yeah i would say in my experience i've been there a couple times and again only once recently but you're right they're just the friendliest people and if anybody's going to band together it's probably going to be them but you have like I said, and it's so so new. It's hard to hard to hard to put in. In your right, it's almost it's not fair to speculate, but it is uh, it is uh, uh, something of uh, unbelievable uh, proportion. And yet uh, that tournament, you're right. They could you know Purdue and Gonzaga are going to play what in the first. Uh, first round of that uh the, the there's some economic opportunities that might and again too early to speculate but uh, might uh, present itself uh moving into that uh that week which will be the week week of thanksgiving right like is it's, it's what when, when it is scheduled currently and uh, we'll see what to uh, see what happens on that front so all right brian uh we'll uh on that note, uh, a somber one at, at best, but uh, yet it is—it uh, is what it is, and it's important that uh, I think your statement about the fact that it's just basketball, all this is just basketball. None of it, none of the trips to Dachau or the or the. Uh, uh, What's going on in Maui is certainly a take a lot of precedent over this so thanks uh, again so much for your time and also the Union club hotel uh, for their sponsorship of this a reminder that you can subscribe to us at goldenblack.com please do so the specials going on and uh, we'll uh, we're looking forward to the start of football season here before long. It's already started, but the games would be nice to get started as well uh, as we uh, go into the 23-24 academic and athletic year. So have a great weekend for everybody else. Brian, thanks again, and uh, we will uh, see you next week on our Saturday Simulcast.